Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode we're talking about your 18 and 49 Detroit Pistons. Ben Gulker and I talk about the Pistons maybe pushing Cade Cunningham a little too hard. Jeremy Grant finding his way offensively. The ripple effects of the Isaiah Stewart injury. And Isaiah Livers looking like a real rotation player. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, Indiana, 17-point comeback in the second half. How's it feel? <laughs> Feels great, Laz. Feels about as good as this daylight savings time uh, adjustment. <laughs> to all our fellow parents out there, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, we uh, we were just talking about how uh, we're we're old men now. We have to <laughs> schedule the podcast around the times our children feel like resting and sleeping and napping and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, it's it's also three one three day. So happy three one three day to all of those who celebrate. Uh, I realize by the time you're listening to this, it will be Pi Day. It'll be three one four day. So have fun with that as well, fellow nerds. But yeah, this is a this is a. And it's daylight savings time on top of that. So we got a lot of stuff happening this week, Ben. But the the thing I wanted to start with was uh, Isaiah Stewart's injury. Uh, he got hurt against Atlanta, kind of got rolled up on underneath the rim uh, going for a rebound. Uh, the team announced it was a knee strain. He'll be reevaluated in a week, so he'll be reevaluated tomorrow. But uh, the, the way that injury looked, I would not be surprised if uh, we don't see him for another couple of weeks. Um, and obviously that, that injury elevated Marvin Bagley into the starting lineup. And so I wanted to, you know, talk to you about how you thought Marvin Bagley looked as part of the starting lineup and uh, what the team was uh, gaining and losing uh, making that swap. Yeah, I'm super curious to get your take on this as well, Laz. Um, obviously very different player from Kate, or sorry, from Stu, as we've talked about. And I really have been thinking about it from the context of how do these two interact with Cade. Mm-hmm. You know, Stu has developed this this knack for being a very good in, interior screener when Kate is driving to the bucket. We saw a couple of good examples of that early in the week, actually, prior to the injury. Um, obviously not the vertical lob threat. So so his way of helping Kate is to sort of get in the way in a good way, right? He clears some space. You know, Bagley, obviously very different. We've seen the lob threat. We saw a beautiful lob and sort of like a semi-transition from Kate to Bagley. Uh, he's had at least the threat of some stretch, you know, he knocked down a couple threes this week and then, you know, his offensive versatility is obviously significantly more than what we've seen from Stewart so far. Um, he's got a little bit of a post-up game, which I don't know, I'm sort of lukewarm on, but he's also got the ability to, to pump fake and get to the rim too. Right. So if, if he catches it, 
um, on the perimeter off of off of penetration. He's got the ability to put it on the bounce. So a very different style of player opens up different types of possibilities uh, for Cade uh, as a secondary option. Uh, grabs rebounds as well, which I like. You know, defensively, I feel like Stu is probably quite a bit better defender. I haven't been overly impressed with Bagley's defense so far. Um, but I really have enjoyed watching him offensively. He had, you know, really some some high high output games this week. And the versatility from that position is something the Pistons haven't had much of, so that's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I've been thinking about the Bagley for Stewart swap in terms because this is not a permanent thing, right? This is because of Stewart's injury. This is a it's good for the team right now because Bagley is a much better player for trying to lose games. <laughs> uh, he's, he's shooting 60% from two as a piston. He's averaging 14 points a game uh, as a piston. Um, and so like he's been much more productive offensively. He's been much more aggressive offensively than Stewart. Um, and so that that's exciting. That's uh, you talked about the chemistry he's developed already with Cade Cunningham. Um, it, shows that the Pistons just have been like missing that element and to finally have it. Um, you see how that, you know, affects Cade's play. But with that said, he's just the, the drop off defensively is just so high that it's going to cost them to lose more games. Like in, in the Boston game, right. I've got the notes in front of us. Like there was a, there was one play in isolation where, and they're still doing a lot of the same stuff structurally defensively, right. They're still switching. Uh, they're still comfortable switching Bagley onto, onto like, perimeter players like like they were doing Isaiah Stewart. Uh, there was a play where Jalen Brown blew past Bagley like instantly uh, to the point where Bagley just kind of like just kind of grazed him on the hip is like, okay, I'm going to push you along your way to the basket. You got it. And he was got called for an and one for the push. And it's just like that would never happen with Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart might, you know, get beat, but uh, not that dramatically and uh, not like to that degree. Um, there was another play where like Marvin Bagley just he screened Corey Joseph out of the play, but it was on defense. And so all of a sudden <laughs> Boston's got like a two on none uh, on a, on the strong side of the floor and they scored like that's bad. So, yeah, Bagley, you you your instincts are right that Bagley is just not uh, the player that Isaiah Stewart is defensively. Um, and he's you know making up for it offensively. But my my thing has been like, you know, Bagley's been uh, the 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 drop off defensively has caused them to lose more, which is kind of where we want to be right now. So I'm fine with it. You know, it's also it's also good that like this isn't going to be, uh, or I don't know, how bad did that injury look to you, Ben? I I thought it was going to be pretty substantial. I was surprised that they were going to reevaluate him uh, basically like later this week. Um, it's like I'm hopeful that you know this isn't going to be a long-term thing for isaiah stewart but uh what what did you think of uh, that injury when you saw it it looked terrible i mean yeah. it was immediately incredibly concerning i mean stewart's such a tough guy too and the way he exited the floor um you know it looked like he was in a tremendous amount of pain if all it is is a strain then i think he's super fortunate but even if it is just a strain um i wouldn't be opposed to just sitting him for the rest of the season there's just there's no reason to rush a comeback for him. Just let him get healthy. You don't want to mess around with a knee. Yeah. And the the end of the season is so close in sight that uh I like I don't think it's detrimental to any of the other guys' development to to sit Stewart. 
And uh, you, we remember, right? Like uh, Stewart lost a little bit of offseason uh, preparation last offseason because he had an ankle injury. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about his offensive role. He's starting to kind of find that chemistry with Cade in the pick and roll as a screener. But we talked about, you know, him maybe eventually developing um, some stretch ability, him maybe potentially uh, finding his aggression level offensively. You know, off-season training is a great place to do stuff like that. It's a great time to develop your your repertoire offensively. And if he's, you know, rushing back from a knee injury and in, in, in the and then in the off-season having to, like, rehab that, you lose some of that development time as well. So, like, yeah, I, I'm with you. I wouldn't be surprised if he sat for uh, the rest of the season or, you know, much, much longer than uh, than the team is, like, initially uh, saying. So, yeah, that's that's where we are with that. Um, next thing I want to talk about was, uh, something a little bit more, uh, positive. Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant is thriving, uh, in the offense. Happy belated birthday to Jeremy Grant as well. I think he, uh, he had his birthday on Saturday. Um, post all-star break, he's averaging 18 points and three whole rebounds, Ben, three whole rebounds. He's also averaging over a block per game, but more than anything else, I think he just looks more comfortable with his role in the offense and he look, he's looking more. Uh, integrated into a Cade centric offense. I feel like we we wanted to talk about this last week, but we uh, I scheduled some draft stuff, so I, that's my bad. So I wanted to give you the floor to talk about that. Ben, how, how have you um, been thinking about Jeremy Grant in in, in the offense after the All Star break? Yeah, I, a couple of weeks ago, I sort of speculated that maybe there was a a team meeting of sorts over the all-star break. And I didn't realize that James Edwards III actually had a piece about that. Such a meeting did in fact happen. And look, I think we're seeing the fruits of that play out on the basketball court. I think Jeremy has looked much more comfortable without the ball in his hands. Um, he's still getting plenty of looks. He's still getting plenty of touches, but look, I actually think it's more advantageous for him as well to have the ball in his hands less because you know, his, his worst instincts are to over dribble and isolate. And I think, you know, when the ball is in Cade's hands, he's much less likely to end up doing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sadiq also has emerged as a, as a primary offensive threat. So I think those three guys, one, two, three, in terms of your, your options, whichever order you decide to put them, I think you end up with Cade being number one. And then depending on the night and matchups, You've got Sadiq and Jeremy as two and three, right? Just depending how it shakes out. I think he looks much more comfortable. The thing I like the most about Jeremy and always have is when he he catches the ball and is decisive quickly. And I I think with Cade orchestrating the offense, that's just much more likely to happen right now. I think that's good for the Pistons right now in the short term because it allows Cade to step into the role he is inevitably going to be playing for this team over the long term without any sort of push and pull and back and forth between him and Jeremy. I think it's also potentially good for the Pistons as they look about, you know, as they look how to reshape the roster over the summer. Um, You know, Jeremy seems to have embraced the role of not being the guy with the ball in his hands a lot. That potentially makes him a little bit more attractive as a trade target, right? I mean, he was obviously rumored in a whole bunch of stuff at the deadline. None of it came to fruition. But I think if there were concerns about whether or not he would embrace a secondary role, you know, I think those concerns have, have been put to rest. He's he's handled this like a pro. I, I think it's good for him and it's good for the team as well. No, absolutely. I, part of me wonders, I, I hate to play like armchair psychologist, but part of me wonders if the the 
the relief of just like knowing where he's going to be playing for the rest of the season plays a little bit of uh, a role in how we've seen him settle in, into his role uh, post trade deadline. Um, you know, guys feel all sorts of external pressures leading up to the trade deadline when when your name is uh, you know bandied about as like somebody who could go to a lot of different places. I'm sure that has an effect on your psyche and uh, which which affects how you play. And so I'm. I wonder if that plays like a, a small part of it. I, I don't want to like attribute all of that to uh to it. But yeah, no, you mentioned James Edwards' uh, piece on the uh, the in, the internal team meeting. You can't call it a players only meeting because the coaches were like there, but uh, did kind of have that feel of like what the 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 t- the guys on the team kind of deciding like what needed to happen for them moving forward. And uh, I also think that the the I've also been pleased with the way the offense has been structured. Um, a little bit more to to get Jeremy to to encourage Jeremy to be more aggressive instead of like encouraging those those ball stopping tendencies. They're getting them him the ball on the move a little bit more. Um, they're getting him the ball like uh, in in weak side opportunities a little bit more, and so that he, he can quickly make. They're facilitating like quick decision making. And so like, I think that's that's helping Jeremy as well. And like you like you mentioned, like that's that's been great for the team. That's been great for Jeremy. It's been great for uh, other the other 29 NBA teams to see that, like, no, yeah, Jeremy is both capable of playing as the number two guy and uh, and comfortable doing that and like is willing to do that if we trade him to you. It's like so all those things kind of come together into um, to, into an effective like number two player, which which Jeremy has been uh, since the trade deadline, essentially. But uh, you talked about, you know, Kate, Jeremy, and Sadiq, Ben. Sadiq kind of struggled this week. He only averaged 10 points a game uh, in the three games that they played this week. Shot 28% from three in the three games they played this week. Um, and he just looked a little bit off to me. Not, not necessarily as uh, aggressive offensively as he's been in the past. Um, he had some nice games. Uh, like, he had some nice assist numbers. But when I stopped to like look at you know the actual tape, it was very much like he's making the extra pass to get guys shots and not necessarily you know creating off of drives or anything like that. And so it's like those it's like you like to see him move the ball, but uh, you know those assist numbers aren't like uh, a product of uh, anything other than guys making shots. Really, um, I wonder Ben if the uh, the added offensive burden that he's taken on this week. And the the just the load he's taken on all season. He's one of the few Pistons to play all their games so far this year. Is finally catching up to Sadiq. Yeah, I think that's certainly possible. Um, you know, in addition to the fact that he's really functionally playing power forward. I mean, I think a lot of the times in the way that the lineup is listed on paper, Jeremy is technically the power forward, but really, I think Sadiq bears a lot of the brunt of that in in actual play. <laughs> um, so I think progressive fatigue is a real thing that I mean that's definitely real uh Sadiq played as you mentioned every game this season he played a lot of minutes all week um and look I think anytime you're fatigued one of the first things to go is your perimeter shooting and anytime Sadiq with the volume of threes he takes anytime that drops below 30 percent you're going to see you know pretty significant reduction in in his scoring right because he's he's very much a three-point marksman still a a big chunk of his shots are three pointers. So yeah, I think progressive fatigue is probably real, probably impacting him. And uh, yeah, his shot looked off to me. Um, and, and I think too, 
it is fair to say we, we played good teams this week. And I think the scout on the Pistons is, is definitely out there, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's those three guys. You Cade faces more double teams than pretty much anyone in the league, which is incredible to me. Um, and, and I think you, you, you force Cade out of the offense and then you, you put the screws on Jeremy and Sadiq. And uh, sometimes they're going to struggle and have, and have rough nights. And I think, I don't want to read too much into it Sadiq, to Sadiq's play because it was just one week and he's been good all all season since the rough start, but definitely looked tired and a bit off this week to me. Yeah, I'm. I yeah, I I agree. I'm not like long term worried about Sadiq and like where he's going to be end up being. It was just it was it was noticeable, um, especially in especially in the Boston game. He normally like murders Boston, and he didn't do that uh, this time around. So that was that was pretty noticeable. But yeah, you know, not long-term concerned with Sadiq or his role in this offense or like his ability to 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 play. It's just you know, he didn't he didn't play that well this week, and that's fine. Like I think uh, we can we can definitely move on. Isaiah Livers, Isaiah Livers is the next guy I wanted to talk about. He's entered the rotation. Uh, that is a a new shiny thing for us to talk about. <laughs> uh, and Ben, my my uh, bleeding green Spartan heart hates to admit it. But uh, Isaiah Livers looks pretty good. Yeah, like there might be a guy there, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, getting a few rebounds as well, which I always appreciate. Uh, shooting some threes, mostly shooting threes, not doing a whole lot else. But he did have, um, it might have been two weeks ago, and we didn't get the chance to talk about it, that that one dribble drive for a pretty emphatic dunk, which was fun to watch. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, it coming out of college, I he missed so much of the end of the season a year ago due to injury. He obviously missed a good chunk of the start of this season as a result of that as well. I just wasn't feeling super confident that there was an NBA guy there, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's proved to me that he deserves more minutes. I think he deserves a good extended look like we have been seeing over the past week, week and a half. Uh, I'm excited about it because, you know, I was a big fan of his teams in college. Um, you know, there's moments where he looked like a rookie. I mean, he had a couple of turnovers in the Boston game in the fourth quarter that were just, you know, very obviously rookie sorts of mistakes. Um, but yeah, I want him to get more minutes. I want to see, I want to see if there's a rotation guy in there. I think it's possible, but we, we got to see some more minutes. Yeah, so far he's he seemed very much like a, a glue guy uh, in his role off the bench for the Pistons. Um, you know. Just doing all these these little things that you know aren't necessarily showing up on the stat sheet, but like help keep things moving uh, for those bench lineups. You know, especially since uh, Bagley was elevated into the starting lineup, um, he's playing like backup power forward uh, next to Kelly Olynyk. Um, that's a I don't know. It's like I think his role is definitely like wing player, but that's a very small lineup that he's a part of uh, with that bench lineup. And he's like you said, he's crashing the glass. He's communicating really well uh, defensively, which is something that was very noticeable to me because you don't necessarily see that from rookies all the time. Um, but like that, that's something that he does really well, and that's part of the reason why uh, he's impressed me so far. He's only shooting thirty percent from three, and I think he's a better shooter than that. If I remember correctly, he shot like over 40% from three, his last two years at Michigan. I, I feel confident in him as a shooter uh, teams play him like he can shoot, which is, which is valuable offensively. And so I think that that element of his game definitely comes around. Um, and, but that's like what he's focusing on so far offensively. Um, 
but he's just he seems like a really intelligent player right he, um he, he cuts into open space to open things up for the offense right he makes nice extra passes keeps the ball moving uh, never never sticks too long in his hand he doesn't try and do too much which is like a thing you see with lots of rookies uh, i think the I think the added experience um, he had in his college career is definitely like playing a role in that right now. I think the fact that he like he's had a lot of time to get adjusted to NBA and, and G League life is playing a role in that as well. But yeah, I you know I think there there's definitely like a, a nice bench player like somewhere in there uh, with Isaiah Livers. He just needs to shoot the ball a little bit more or shoot the ball a little bit better. But yeah, no, I've been. Uh, I've been liking the Isaiah Livers experience. I never really paid much attention to him in college for obvious reasons. I don't want to play Michigan <laughs> games, but uh, but I've liked what I've seen so far. Um, and we we have seen Isaiah Livers because a lot of dudes have been hurt though as well. Like uh, Killian, Killian got hurt this week. Hamadou Diallo uh, broke a finger trying to dunk, which is like the most Hamadou Diallo yeah. thing ever. Uh, Frank is still Frank Jackson is still. Uh, he saw a specialist for his back. That is not something you like to hear, but he's like still with the team and uh, still in good spirits. So I, I hope that that back injury clears itself up well. We obviously talked about the Stewart's injury, um, and that's you know resulted in play for some of the G League guys, right? We've seen uh, a lot of Saban this week. We talked about Isaiah Livers. We saw some Jermarco Pickett against uh, Boston. Jermarco even like made a couple shots, which was nice to see. We saw some Luca Garza against Boston, like. Uh, Ben, it it's looking like the Pistons only have like 15 games left in the season, and we're going to get finally get a look at some of these dudes. You know that that's been my hope. I think this is a uh, a nice way to tank the the recent <laughs> good play, right? Like just play some of these young guys who are clearly not there yet, but maybe there could be some there somewhere. So yeah, particularly Saban, I feel like with what he's done in the G League this season. You know, I would love to see him get more of Corey Joseph's minutes. I think Corey continues to play so much, I think, because it, it kind of helps Cade a little bit. He can offload some of the decision-making and quarterbacking off to Corey. And Corey's actually shooting the ball from three really well this season, which which also helps. Um, but yeah, with Killian out, I, w- I would really like to see a little bit more Saban. Um, we talked about livers already. I don't know if there's any any hope for Luca Garza, but it'd be nice to see like you know ten consecutive games where he plays minutes regardless of his performance, just so we can sort of sort of see it, right? So I'm absolutely fine with this. I, I I'm not fine with the injuries, obviously, especially Frank Jackson after his season last year. It's been super disappointing, right? I mean, for him to be spend so much time out, that's got to be frustrating for him. Um, the last thing I'll say on this point is I, I really hope they don't run Cade into the ground. I mean, we'll talk about the fact that he's playing a lot of minutes and, and maybe there's a concerted push here to to get him higher up in people's minds and rookie of the year conversations. But we also don't need to run him into the ground. Right. I mean, there's there's just nothing to play for um, ex- except <laughs> rookie of the year, I guess, for Cade. So, <laughs> you know, he played I think it was 40 minutes against Boston. It just feels like it's a bit too much. Um, but yeah. Let, let some let some of these young guys run. Let's see if there's anything there. No, I, I totally agree. Um, when I when I pointed that out after the Boston game, uh, Rod Beard actually tweeted me back. He's like, well, you know, Corey, Cade, and Saban are the only healthy guards. And so it's like that probably played some part of it. It's like, okay, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. But uh, like to that point, actually, I didn't – it's like I also have been wanting to see more Saban, not even necessarily less 
Corey Joseph. I think Corey Joseph is doing his job uh, so far. And like, I don't, I no longer have strong emotions either way towards Corey Joseph. <laughs> uh, but Saban has not, uh, Saban has not really impressed me with, uh, with the opportunity that, he, that he's been given. Um, he scored, I think he had like 10 points against, uh, he had like 10 points against the Bulls, but like three of those were like open layups off of like Kelly Olenek passes in, against the Bulls. And then he really struggled, uh, against the Celtics. And so I would, uh, you know, obviously I'd like him to play better. Um, hopefully the, you know, the, the minute load, uh, is good for him and he's able to like find a rhythm. But uh, yeah, I have not been super, and like he's played well in the past, and so like I, I don't want, I'm not giving up on Saban entirely, but like I, I wasn't really impressed with uh, with what he was doing this week, especially you know considering the like feels like the 35 points a game he's averaging in the G League or whatever. Um, so it's like yeah, that was that was a little rough. Um, like to see Jamarco Pickett hit a couple threes. Um, feel like that's something that he can do uh, at, an, at an NBA level, hopefully. Um, it was good to. It was an interesting look with like him and Livers on the floor at the same time. That's a lot of, a lot of length um, on that the wing position, which is something the Pistons haven't always had. Um, I would like. I would have liked it if uh, Pickett was like a little bit better defensively, but like he got cooked by Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum cooks everybody. Like, yeah, that, that's fine. <laughs> Hard to criticize him. Yeah. You know. So to, to your point about Saban, it what it kind of reminded me is like when the JV guy gets pulled up for the varsity and the stuff that you did on JV that got you your 30 points a game just doesn't work. And yeah. right. And you know, we, we haven't seen a lot of G league guys make it in the NBA. Like there are exceptions here and there. Um, I'm a big fan of the, of, of the developmental league generally, but it, it does sort of make me wonder, like if you leave guys down there for too long, do they end up developing bad NBA habits as a result, right? Like Saban can go score 35 against guys who aren't NBA players. But when you try those same things in an actual NBA game, it doesn't work. So that's part of why I want to see him get more NBA minutes to close the season, because I think you have to balance, like you have to figure out the things that will work against one level of competition, but won't work against the higher level. And to me, that sort of looked like what Saban was just running headlong into this week. Yeah, the the thing I always think about is like the 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 lack of uh the like if you can play if you're like a center and you can play NBA level defense like you're in the NBA you're not in the G League and right. so I always think uh you know you see all these these guards who are able to to get to the rim and finish um like you can have a lot of success doing that in the G League because the you know the rim protection is just like not as good um, as you'll see in the NBA. Uh, and the perimeter defense is also just not as good as you'll see in the NBA because those guys aren't NBA players. And so it's like, yeah, some of that, um, I think it, some of that is definitely like the talent level disparity. Uh, like you mentioned the, the JV varsity thing. And I think some of it is just like, you know, the, the comfort, the comfortability as well, right? Like you, you get to play 35 minutes a night in the G league and that's not going to happen for a guy like Saban at the NBA level. Um, and so like that, I think that's part of it as well. But yeah, no, you're 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 totally right. That the the stuff you do in the G League is not necessarily going to work in the NBA. But that's why it's that's why it's so important to uh, reinforce like good habits at the G League level, and yeah. not to just uh, try and you know dominate guys with your superior athleticism. 
Um, I'm thinking of a guy like Cassius Stanley, right? Like that, he's really good in the G League because he can do that. And we, we haven't necessarily always seen that when he's been able to get uh, NBA minutes. All right, Ben, uh, we should probably talk about Cade. We haven't talked about Cade that much this episode. <laughs> we should probably do that. Uh, you, we, you brought up the minutes. He did play 41 minutes against Boston. I think he played 16 straight minutes to open the first half. It's like, that was, that was interesting. Yeah, that, was, that was very interesting. Did, did not love that. But uh, in general, post-All-Star break, he's been uh, much, much better. Before the All-Star break, he was averaging 16, 5, and 5, um, shooting under 40% from the floor and 32% from three and averaging like three and a half turnovers a game. Uh, after the All-Star break, he's averaging 22 points, which is a lot of points for a rookie, uh, seven rebounds and five and a half assists, give or take, shooting uh, 43% from the floor, 30% from three, 84% from the line, averaging uh, fewer turnovers, not by a lot, but still fewer. Uh, but the minutes are, are also up. And so, you know, we talked about the minutes. It, it does. I agree with you. It does kind of feel like they're just like showcasing him for rookie of the year. And I don't know. It's like I, I think he's been really good. I think he does definitely has a shot of rookie of the year. I don't love playing him like 38, 39, 41 minutes a night to, to get there, Ben. Yeah, I mean, rookie of the year. I don't even know how much value there is to winning it. Um, and it, it I think would be a, nice from a from a non basketball standpoint, right? To be like, hey, we have the rookie of the year come come to our games. Yeah, marketing. Right? Yeah, I get that. I, I also think too that maybe I'm wrong about this, but I, I kind of feel like people make their minds up about rookie of the year in particular so early in the season that I don't even know, like, is there anyone who's going to be, is there anyone who doesn't have Kate as rookie of the year who's voting, who's going to change based on the last 10, 15 games of the season? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of skeptical about that. Um, but regardless of the rookie of the year conversation, I think the thing that impresses me about the recent stretch of play is, look, I, there aren't many rookies who show this sort of like dramatic improvement in leadership in um, willingness to step into bigger and increasingly bigger roles throughout the sort course of the season. Like, I, I feel like what Kate is doing from that perspective is really, really pretty incredible and, and pretty rare, right? I mean, you look at all the other guys other than Green, who are sort of in this rookie of the year conversation, none of them have seen their expectations about the role they're playing grow as much over the course of this season as Cade has, right? And Cade has not shrunk from the moment. And, and I think you like you look at the Atlanta game, for example, this week in particular, you know, he he was fantastic. Fourth quarter in overtime, he was absolutely fantastic. And that that just leaps out to me. The fact that his role continues to grow and get bigger and bigger. And he's able to keep producing and keep being productive and step into the role like you'd expect him to be 25, 26, 27, eight years old, right? The way he handles this from a maturity perspective and leadership perspective, um, the way he continues to be positive winning or losing. I mean, all of that stuff, right? Like he's scoring a lot of points. Yes. But all of that other stuff uh, is what has been really impressive to me over the past 10, 15, 20 games. See, that's, I agree with you, but that's interesting. I thought you were going to bring up uh, something else, which I will then bring up. Uh, <laughs> There was a comment on DBB this week that really stuck with me. It was Cade's uh, 
percentage of field goal attempts in the paint by month. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. And you could you could see the number just like keep it kept ticking up yep, and up yep, yep. and up and up. And I think in the month of March, which like you know we're only thirteen days into March or whatever, but I think he's like finally taking like sixty percent of his shots in the paint, and it's like that's huge, yep. right? Like we that was our collective big critique about K when he first debuted is you know he was going you know three for thirteen from three every other night it felt like it was just like well it's like he's he's a better shooter to this and like once he's gonna once he makes more of those threes it'll open up everything else and it, it feels like the the everything else is starting to open itself up to him right like part of that has been the isaiah stewart screening that we've talked about in the past part of that's been i think i i think part of that's been like the the, the addition of marvin bagley as a lob threat right like forcing the defense to actually have to account for uh like the big man in the pick and roll but i definitely think part of that is just Cade getting more comfortable as a playmaker, as the guy who, you know, is the primary initiator for the team uh, over like these last 20 games. And it's like now he, he just gets to wherever he wants to get to uh, on the floor. I'm thinking of that um, that play against Chicago uh, right before halftime where uh, he's being guarded by Desumu. He goes like behind the back, drives into the paint. Uh, has three guys on him with Kobe White helping strong side. It's like, or not even helping, but like kind of staring at him, like waiting to help. And then he just like immediately just, you know, rises up, flicks the ball to Sadiq for the easiest corner three Sadiq's had in his like NBA career. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you don't see rookies do that. <laughs> you, you just don't. And part of the reason he's drawing three dudes is because he's getting to the paint a lot more than he was in the past. Um, it's just his, his progression has been just really wonderful to see over, over the course of this entire season, which is why it would pain me so much if we saw him like tweak it, tweak an ankle yeah. or yeah. under like, uh, be subjected to a, a fatigue injury towards the end of the season because he's playing 40 minutes a night, right? Like that, that's why I come back to the minutes is just like, there's, it's like, I love watching him play. I love seeing what he has to offer, but like, there's there's no need for him to be like pushing the boundaries of what uh, he can handle like minutes wise when we have 15 games left to go in the season. It's just not necessary. Um, oh yeah. And you wanted to talk about him fouling a bunch, which is still true. <laughs> he still fouls a bunch. Yeah. I mean, fortunately it hasn't taken him out of games too often. Right. But it, I, he's got some bad habits defensively. He reaches unnecessarily. Um, and it, it's easy to envision the scenarios in which it would take him out of the game if he doesn't change some of those habits. So this has been like one of the lingering things he hasn't improved. So it's kind of a minor critique, but I mean, he was in foul trouble this week, you know, five fouls, I think two of the games. Um, Yeah. He's, he's just got some bad sloppy habits that he's got to get better at because he just cannot him getting one steal in any given random possession is so much less important than him being available because he's not in foul trouble. You know what I mean? No, totally. Totally. Um, I think, I think that is where I think the defensive end of the floor in general is where we see more of the like rookie fatigue from Cade. Um, and like, you're right. He has some, he has some bad tendencies uh, on that side of the floor. We, we like the way he communicates. I like the way he, he sees that, that end of the floor defensively. Um, I, th- I think he's a good t- team defender and a, a, a capable 
Like we've seen him act as a shot blocker sometimes uh, in, in some very important moments. We see him, you know, he's averaging, you know, seven rebounds a game post all-star break. So we see him, you know, be able to influence that side of the floor as well. Uh, or uh, like the defensive glass as well. But you're right in that like availability is such a huge thing for Cade um, that it, it doesn't make sense for, for him to try and like reach down on uh, on every single drive. With that said, like it also like that that we talk about you know potential backcourt mates, you know next to Cade Cunningham in the future. Um, like this is only like reinforcing that it's going to be really important that whoever you put in the backcourt next to Cade is is able to be a, a pretty good on ball uh, and and team defender because we don't want like we think he's capable of being a two way force, but we don't want him to have to uh, expend himself defensively like that if it can be avoided through roster construction right like you know he does we it'd be great if Cade was like Kawhi Leonard but like if he doesn't have to be Kawhi Leonard that's even better (laughs) uh all right Ben um we you know Pistons won a game this week and so there should be some positive stuff to talk about what was your one positive thing for the Pistons this week I felt like this was a perfect tanking week of basketball, right? I mean, it kind of was. Yeah, yeah. They had a a really fun win against Atlanta. Uh, Cade was fantastic in that game. Um, They shut down Trey Young almost completely, which was fun to watch. They really made him work for a very poor shooting performance. So that was a it was a well played game from start to finish. Very exciting, fun to watch. And then their two losses really they were very competitive through three quarters they they were ahead against Chicago if I remember correctly going into the fourth quarter and uh, look I think both of those fourth quarters can be learning moments because I think what happened was uh, the better team put the screws on defensively and their stars just rose to the occasion in ways that the Pistons just don't have the ability to do yet right Um, those those games were both decided in the fourth quarter and it's discouraging to lose those, but I think there's also a lot of learning moments. I think particularly offensively, um, they got a little bit ISO heavy, I think, in both quarters. And that, that just doesn't work for them. Um, they, they need to continue to play like they did all through three quarters that got them to the point of being competitive. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it was a very enjoyable week of basketball in spite the fact that they went one and two uh, because they were very competitive and uh, the losses that, that do get chalked up as L's in the column are, are very much learning and teachable moments. And I, I think we have the roster and the type of temperament and the type of character on the roster that that's willing to learn from those things. So v- very good week of losing basketball, I think. That is, uh, yes, I agree with you. There are many more, uh, I think the lessons you learn from games like this week feel much more applicable than the lessons you learn by getting blown out by 30 against absolutely yeah i totally agree and so it's it's, i can stomach a lot more losses like these until the end of the season um because the the team will have played well they'll have been competitive and they just like won't have enough to take it home against better teams i think that's those that's kind of what you hope for uh, during a tanking experience, right? And we didn't even mention, right? Like, you know, Saban Lee and Isaiah Livers are playing fourth quarter minutes. Right. It's like that is not that's not a recipe for winning games. Right. It's like perhaps that rep- that recipe is purposeful, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it is it is a learning experience. It's a growth experience for those guys. Um, 
And if you if you do happen to win some of those games, like even better, right? Like, you know, that's great. Um, the Pistons do have a chance to win some games this week. They play, we are recording Sunday morning, so they have not played the Clippers yet. Or as uh, one Clippers uh, beat writer referred to it, the Pistons alumni game. Which I thought, <laughs> That's hilarious. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, so they play the Clippers later today. They play Mi- They play in Miami on Tuesday. They play in Orlando on Thursday. That's a huge game for the tank. Um, be watching that game with bated breath, hoping to lose. Um, and then they play. And Orlando actually won two games this week. And Markel, and Markel Fultz is back. And so Orlando has been spry lately, which has been good. Um, and then they play at Cleveland on Saturday. Ben, this actually looks like a, the Pistons have beaten Cleveland. I think the last two times they've played them. Yeah. Uh, one was with Garland. One was without. I think Garland's healthy now. Um, but obviously Cleveland's missing Jared Allen. It's like th- this is this is shaping up to be like a very solid week of Pistons basketball. I'm excited. Yeah, Jared Allen's out. Um, just double checking that, and he's out indefinitely. So makes another winnable game. I, yeah, I think losing to Orlando would be good. Let's let's have some Saban Luca picket minutes. <laughs> let's make that, <laughs> let's make sure. that happen. Um, Clippers, I don't know, man. I haven't watched a whole lot of Clippers this year. They've been a they've been an interesting team, but I think thinking of them as the Pistons alumni is absolutely perfect, and that is <laughs> that's going to make me chuckle for the rest of the day. I think the Clippers have been really feisty. Um, you know. Reggie Jackson is playing really well for them this year. Luke Kennard is playing really well for them this year. But even uh, despite the fact that they've been missing Kawhi Leonard for the entire year, yeah. And I saw I saw a video of him doing like some uh, some shoot around pregame, and he is looking uh, a lot more fluid than he was the last time I saw him, which is expected after like you know an eleven month uh, recovery. But still, that's a that's a scary thought if they're able to get Kawhi Leonard anything uh, approximating full health once again. And uh, Paul George has been out with, the, I think, a shoulder thing for like the last couple of months. Um, and they've still been managing to win games. They've still been finding a way. Um, really creative offensively. Obviously, Ty Lue is one of the better, one of the top five. I, I don't like. I don't have the five best coaches like in my head right now, but Ty Lue would be among them in my head. And so they've been they've been managing to win games. They're in the play-in, I believe, right now if the season ended. And they would uh, definitely be a team I would not be like wanting to play if i were uh, another like lower tier western conference team and so i think that game will be really interesting um i'll be curious to see how i'll be serious i'll be curious to see who they use to defend Cade because like we love reggie we love luke those guys are not uh, amazing defensive players um and so yeah, i'll be i'll be curious to see how they they handle uh Cade cunningham they could just throw two guys at him like uh everybody else has been doing like you mentioned uh all right, Ben. That is uh, that's pretty much it. I could tease you some more about uh, the Michigan uh, Big Ten conference play, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Yeah, they've had a guy. they've just had a write off season. This this was not the way it was supposed to go. Yeah i I was pleased that the Spartans were able to beat Wisconsin. Um, that reinforced my notion that Johnny Davis is not a guy I'm interested in having on the okay. Pistons. Yeah. If they can help it. Um, Jaden Ivey looked good in the game against the the Spartans as well. He had that amazing layup where he's like, his his back is like parallel with the ground and he's flinging it out of the rim and it goes in. It's like, okay, we're going to lose this game. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, looking forward to March Madness. 
looking forward to like an eight nine game against like Davison or something. I think I saw it was like the the last bracketology thing. We'll see how it ends up on uh later and it ends up later today. But uh, but yeah, it's been it's been nice to like. I was like, oh, I, I can tune into college basketball now because the games come on at like one thirty, so I just have it on in the background. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah. All right, Ben. Uh, let the people know where they can find you, where they can find uh, what you'll be uh, talking about with regards to the Pistons and everything else this week. At Br Golker on Twitter, March Madness is here, so this this it's always fun. Like March Madness is always fun, even though I don't have anything particular. I don't have a horse in the race necessarily this year, but March Madness is always fun. So yeah, let's talk about it on Twitter. We got a few games left this season to keep talking about on Detroit Bad Boys as well. So hit us up in the comments, particularly on our podcast posts. Give us some feedback. We appreciate you all for listening and sticking with us through yet another difficult season. Difficult, but more entertaining. Absolutely. That's true. Absolutely. Um, and of course, you can always follow me on Twitter and talk to me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. All right. Thank you for listening. This has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, and we will talk to you all next week. See you.